Welcome to Doctor Who's 50 and 50, episode 10, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. Today, now that we've finished running through the different classic incarnations of the Doctor, we're going to discuss the TARDIS. Now, the TARDIS is probably the only true constant in the series. This is the Doctor's spacecraft, or his vessel. It's a Time Man spacecraft. It's Time Lord technology. It was originally introduced as an acronym, Time and Relative Dimension in Space. The Doctor's original companion, his granddaughter Susan Foreman, claimed to have been the one to name the TARDIS, but it seems to be a standard name used by all Time Lords. It's even referred to as a Type 40 TARDIS, so either she was making that up when she mentioned it to the humans who had stumbled their way inside, or she did name it and it became the standardized name that caught on with everyone. We're not really sure how old Susan was or how old the oldest models of TARDIS were, although we do know that a lot of the other Time Lords refer to these Type 40s as obsolete and museum pieces. It's a fairly neat craft in the Annals of Science Fiction. For one thing, it has no weapons of any kind. For another, it comes with a chameleon circuit that's designed to let it blend in with its surroundings. It's not so much a traditional vessel where it goes flying from point A to point B, although that's possible. It uses a dematerialization process, so it will disappear in one spot and then reappear in another place in time, not necessarily where it's being sent. You get the impression that the TARDISes used by other Time Lords are pretty accurate in terms of where they appear. The Doctor's is not. There's also some hints in the classic series that it is an intelligent machine. So it first appeared in a British scrapyard on Totters Lane in Unearthly Child in 1963, and it took the form of a police call box. Now, I have heard some criticism leveled at the series that the police call boxes were no longer being used in 1963. I think that's fine, since it was found in a scrapyard, and it wasn't sitting on a street corner intended to be active. I was neither in Britain nor alive in 1963, so it's hard to say myself. But if they were out of commission, a scrapyard seems like a reasonable place to find one. Now, it has a chameleon circuit. The idea behind the chameleon circuit is that when it materializes, it assesses the surroundings and takes on the outward appearance of something that belongs there. So it blends in naturally, and that's why it looked like the police call box. This also means that the interior is not connected to the exterior, and the exterior is not confining for the interior, which is why a lot of people react that it's bigger on the inside. On the outside, it looks like a police call box. Inside, the first room you encounter is a very large control room. Again, if the control room has direct outside access, this is the design of an exploration ship and not a warship. Right? So again, no weapons. This is really used for tourists. We've seen inside on top of the control room, we have wardrobes, we have sleeping quarters. There's also galleys for food and things like that. So the interior is actually quite large and it has been referred to as potentially infinite, as though the TARDIS can create whatever rooms you need on the interior at any given time. The other forms of TARDIS were used by the meddling monk, the master, and the Rani. They do have slightly different interiors. You can see that they're all related by a theme. They still have a central console. They have something somewhat circular in the motif in the middle of that control console that indicates when the TARDIS is in motion, not just by the auditory clues, but it's a visual clue for the audience and for the controllers. In the case of the Doctor's TARDIS, there's a column that goes up and down. The Rani's TARDIS had some rings that rotated around, so they all look a little bit different, but they are definitely thematically related, and you'd believe that these are other products of the same technology. For most of the run of the series, the chameleon circuit on the Doctor's TARDIS is not working correctly. In an unearthly child, they get on board the TARDIS, go back to the era of the cavemen, and when they get out, the Doctor wonders why the chameleon circuit is not working and why it still looks like a police call box. So that was the first time it failed. It stayed in that state until 
almost completely through the series. It was temporarily repaired by the Colin Baker incarnation of the Doctor during Attack of the Cybermen, and it took on a couple of forms as he was traveling around during that episode, but it had failed again and was just appearing as a police call box by the end of the episode for no apparent reason. We do know that others have referred to this as a museum piece and that it's obsolete, which may be part of the reason the navigation systems are often flaky. So the Doctor will intend to go someplace. Sometimes he gets hijacked and taken off course, usually by other Time Lords. Sometimes he just misses the target. From a production standpoint, it's a pretty effective ship to use under a limited budget. So you've got the door in the back and people can just step through it and say, oh, they were in the sleeping quarters, they were in the wardrobe. Those sets eventually got built, but they weren't strictly needed from the start. And the exterior, it's just basically a wooden phone booth. It doesn't take much to build that one at all. We've also had indications that it's virtually indestructible from the outside. Uh, Well, at least one point, it's even been referred to as invincible. This may be a side effect of the chameleon circuit. If the exterior is not connected to the interior, then there's no reason to think that pounding on the exterior is going to cause any damage to the interior. The biggest problem that they have with the TARDIS is that they don't always remember to lock the door, meaning the average schmuck on the street or in the forest or on whatever planet they find can just open the door and walk in. So it has been invaded by everything from human miners to people on the street to the Cybermen during the course of the series. So that's the core of the TARDIS. It does go anywhere at all, time and space, just dematerializes in one place in time, rematerializes in another place in time. And the interior is not at all limited by the exterior. So with that done, we are now going to start going through the various companions, starting with the ones that were rated by Bureau 42 readers as their favorite classic companions. So please join us tomorrow when we discuss the first such companion, Jamie McCrinnan. Thank you for listening.